Hello, 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 my friends and fellow animal lovers. Welcome to another episode of the Story of My Pet podcast. This is going to be a special episode. I've done this once before where I've told some of my personal pet stories. And I decided to kick off November with a very special story. And I hopefully will be able to tell it without getting too emotional. But I wanted to share it with all of you. Some of you who follow me on social media already know parts of the story, but I still wanted to share and spread awareness about fostering, but also to share the difficulty of fostering, and for other people who have gone through something similar to know you're not alone, the grief is real, and it's important to share your story. So... Fostering. I've always been an advocate for fostering because literally fostering saves lives. People who don't know a lot about how fostering works or how animal shelters work may not understand that. But many animal shelters, especially that are tied to local government, city, county, state, um, are often not able to be no-kill shelters. Because of laws, they have capacity limits. And unfortunately, we are hitting and exceeding those limits currently, especially in Central California and California, but also across the United States. Because of all the adoptions during COVID, there have been too many cats and dogs, but a lot of dogs, mostly, I would say, even more so, that have been returned or who have been left behind or put on the street or surrendered because they don't have time or they can't afford them, whatever the reason may be. And I'm going to say this right now, there are real reasons why people cannot take care of their animals. People pass away and there's no one in the family that can take care of them. People become ill and are in the hospital for long periods of time. Um, People maybe who are older have to move into assisted living facilities or other arrangements, and they're not able to take their cat or dog with them. But there are also a lot of excuses. I don't have time for them anymore. I'm moving. I can't take them with me. You really can't? So I'm not going to jump on my soapbox about that. But because of limited space in shelters, fostering really does save lives. Um, in the case of dogs, when you take a foster into your home, that opens up another that opens up that kennel that that dog was living in for another dog to be able to be brought into the shelter. It also allows the shelter to learn about the dog. When you bring a dog, no matter their age, puppy, young dog, old dog, into your home as a foster, you get to see them in a more natural environment. No animal is going to be completely themselves in a shelter environment because they're in a cage. They're in a small space. They're surrounded by other animals making noise. It's completely different than any home environment they would be in. So fostering a dog is great because you get to see, are they potty trained? Do they like to play outside? Do they like to play with other dogs? Do they like to play with kids? So many different things. You get to learn about their behavior, what they're good at what they enjoy doing, maybe what they don't enjoy doing, things like that. So then the shelter will have all the information to find the best home for that dog. Same case with a cat, especially an older cat. Um, You can see 
Do they interact with other cats well? Do they interact with dogs and other animals well? How are they around people or kids? Things like that. But with cats, um, there's also a huge need for fostering because of kittens. Kittens under the age of six are legally not allowed to be in shelters because they cannot survive on their own, which means they can't be in a shelter because in shelters they don't have someone accessible to them for 24 hours a day. So when kittens are brought in, whether they're a single kitten, a whole, um, whether it's a single kitten, a litter of kittens, a, a mom and kittens, all of those situations are one that needs to be in an outside environment than the shelter. And so that's when fosters step in. And so fosters are critical for kittens because if they don't have a foster, they can't stay in the shelter. Well, unfortunately, that means they're not going to survive. Um, kittens less than six weeks typically need to be either bottle fed or weaning from the mom cat or from a bottle into um, regular cat food. So there's a lot of things that you have to be able to do when you're fostering kittens. and But it's well worth it. Um, I personally have rescued two cats, um, my two cats, Charlie and Fredgie. Charlie, he's 13 now, was found by my sister in my parents' backyard. She was in the swimming pool and heard this noise, and they searched it out and found little baby Charlie, less than two weeks old, um, alone in a spot where he, there was no way he would have been able to get out of it, down in between two fences and a retaining wall. And, of course, they called me because I'm the only person in the family that has cats. And Charlie was really my baby I learned about. I had no idea how to take care of a, a kitten that young. And he became my bottle baby and taught me so much. But he would not have, I couldn't have taken him to a shelter because he was a single kitten. He had no mom. He, he had to be bottle fed around the clock. Um, and they wouldn't have been able to take him. So... Um, that's one example. Um, my Frenchie also, we found her in our own backyard. We knew there was a feral cat in our yard that had had a litter, and so we kind of kept our eye out, and then one morning we heard her screaming, and I mean screaming. I could hear her inside. She was so loud. Well, she had dropped down between the fences, we think her mom had moved her litter, and she got stuck, and so we left her because if you ever find a, a, a single kitten or a litter, you want to wait and see if the mama cat comes back because that's their best chance of survival. Well, we watched and waited and she continued to scream and no, her mom never showed up again. So I broke our fence to get her out and she became my second bottle baby. She had, she was covered in fleas. She ended up having worms from the fleas and I had to take her to the vet and treat her. So again, she needed constant care. She had to be bottle fed, all of those things. She had to be taught how to go to the bathroom, all of that. So those are examples of how I rescued single kittens. But I also know that that's what people do when they're fostering kittens, which is so needed. You can also foster puppies, which are fairly similar depending on if, you, if there's a mama dog or not. But my experience has been with kittens. So I decided... Um, I've been thinking about fostering for a while, and I wanted to do it, but as a pet sitter, especially in the summer, I'm super busy, so I knew I wouldn't have time to really focus on fostering. 
So um, a couple weeks ago, I decided, well, the timing's right. I'm not having to do overnight pet sitting right now. So I could bring a foster kitten home. And so when I was at the shelter volunteering, I asked if there were any kittens that really needed, you know, extra care or help. And after talking to a couple people, they said they had a kitten who um, was severely anemic because he was brought in covered in fleas, dehydrated, and the problem they were having was really being able to make sure he was eating. You know, they feed him and they check on him and everything, but they can't be monitoring him as much as he needed to be. So I said, sure, I'll, I'll bring him home. So that's when I met Bryce. That was his shelter name. Five weeks old, brought in as a single kitten, found outside, covered in fleas, dehydrated, malnourished, severely anemic. So I got Bryce and his carrier and his food and the little um, vials of um, iron that I would be giving him to help with his anemia. So I brought him home and he was the sweetest, so cute. Didn't really purr. He had a little, he would go, that was his little purr. <laughs> I would realize later it was because he really didn't have the energy and he may have had an upper respiratory infection. But um, when I brought him home, he was energetic. He was interested. He wanted to see all the things and see where he was and all of that. He quickly started eating his wet food vigorously and went right in his litter box and did his duties. And so I thought, you know, this is great. He's a a little guy, I got to fatten him up. Um, he was so little. Looking at him, you couldn't tell because he was fluffy. But when I held him, you could feel every bone in his body. We gave him a bath because I realized he still had many um, alive fleas on him. When I gave him a bath, I realized even more how skinny he was. It was a little alarming. But I knew that that was my job was to get him to eat, to get him to be nourished and grow big and strong. So the first day or so was great. He was eating, he was pooping, he was doing all the things a kitten his age should be doing. And then the second night I had him, I noticed that he was in the litter box and, you know, doing his job, sitting the way he does, and then nothing was coming out. And he kept trying and trying, and he'd walk around and try again and try again. And it just broke my heart. You could tell he was doing his best, but nothing was coming out. So I checked with the shelter and they said, you know, that's normal. Sometimes that happens and it could be, you know, it could be the change in environment. Um, he's eating more now. His body's getting used to having more food or it also could have been the iron we were giving him. I know personally I'm, I've been anemic in my life and had to take iron and it can really block up your system. <laughs> so I understood that the poor little kitten was, maybe was having a hard time. So that worried me, but I kept my eye on him and I did my best to help. Um, he he seemed to be better the next day. He was able to go a little bit at a time. And so I just kept, you know, feeding him and taking care of him. I really kept him with me. Um, I would put him inside my sweatshirt and carry him around with me or wrap him up in a towel like a burrito and keep him near me where I was working in my office or wherever. And so he seemed to be due. He'd have these, you know... All of a sudden, he'd jump off the bed on his own. It was crazy. Um, and, you know, walking right past my resident cats like he owned the place. Even though I kept him separate, one time he jumped down and ran past one of them so fast I couldn't catch him. 
So he was doing well, but he definitely had periods of less energy. He would be sleeping so soundly I couldn't wake him. Or he was kind of limp when he was sleeping. Like, it, you know, his little body was just exhausted. But overall, you know, he was acting like any other kitten I've had. I've had four cats in my life, and they've all come to me at different ages, but as kittens. So I know what a, a normal active kitten looks like. Um, there were a few times when he was still struggling to go to the bathroom where he'd be trying so hard and he'd just kind of fall over on his side like he was just exhausted. Um, it was really difficult to watch that, but I thought he was doing okay. Um, and then came Wednesday night, which was the fifth night I had him with me. He'd been doing well. I'd been, I'd, I work from home and do things on Zoom and he'd been, you know, sleeping with, next to me or in my sweatshirt while I was on Zooms and seemed to be doing okay. Um, I'd been trying to get him to eat in the evening, but he really wasn't responding like he usually does. He would always smell the food and just go right into it and he just wasn't interested. So I had him wrapped up in a towel and a tight burrito, keeping him warm. And then I started to go to sleep that night. And around midnight, I started hearing a noise, and I realized it was him, and it wasn't a noise I had heard him make before. And I looked at him, and I realized his mouth was open, and he was kind of almost gasping. And then I got worried, because he hadn't done that the whole five days I'd had him. And I knew that that was a sign of what they call fading kitten syndrome, which is a very real thing that can happen to a kitten, especially if they're in... A situation like Bryce, by the way, I didn't call him Bryce, I called him Binks. I thought it was more appropriate. He was a Lynx Point Siamese, so he became known to myself and my family and my social media followers as Binks the Lynx, after the cat in Hocus Pocus, since it's Halloween time. So I knew something was wrong with Binks because he just he had never done this. And so I unwrapped him and he was just kind of limp. His body, he wasn't really moving his body. And he was making the sound. His tongue was kind of hanging out a little bit. So I immediately grabbed the info I had on fading kitten syndrome and started doing the things it said, like warming them up. He'd been in warm in a towel all wrapped up tight, but I got the heating pad out and started doing that and he just continued to gasp. I called the shelter's emergency line and you know, she asked me and made sure I was doing all the things. And, you know, he wasn't really responding. He was still gasping. So she was calling the emergency vet to see if I could take him in. And I'd woken my husband up to help me. And we unwrapped him to kind of check. And you could tell, unfortunately, his body was just completely limp. He had, he, he couldn't even hold his head up. And pretty quickly, the gasps became less, and um, I started realizing what was happening, and, and little Binks was unfortunately slipping away from me, and I'll, I'll be honest, it was a shock, because a quick break from this episode to tell you about a company I'm partnering with to help support the podcast. Nuvita is a woman-founded, woman-owned health and wellness company committed to clean, simple, and organic wellness products. Their CBD products are derived from 100% USA-grown hemp 
and all products undergo rigorous testing throughout the entire process to ensure they are selling only the quality goods for you. If they won't take it, they won't sell it. They proudly run a USDA certified organic facility and all products are certified residual free, organic, and gluten free, while most of their products are also vegan. Nuvita has a variety of CBD products from tinctures to soft gels to gummies to rollers. There's something that can work for everyone. I personally have used Nuvita products for several years and recently started testing some of their new detox products. And oh my gosh, let me tell you, the results have been amazing. One of the reasons I love Nuvita the most is because they have a special pet formula CBD just for our fur babies. I have used their pet formula CBD with my own cats and they are amazing. They can help your pets with anxiety, pain, inflammation, and recovering from injury. I will never promote a product I haven't used myself or with my pets. And this one I have used for both and highly recommend it. You can go to the link in this episode to shop Nuvita now and use my code JULIE10 for 10% off of your order. No minimum purchase required, and every single time you shop Nuvita, you can use my code for 10% off. Thanks for listening. Now back to this episode. I didn't realize it could happen so fast. And I'd had kittens. I'd seen kittens. I'd seen two-week-old kittens, three-week-old kittens. I'd seen kittens covered in fleas. I'd seen healthy, happy kittens. And none of my experience had ever been something like this, where he where one of them declined so quickly. But my husband realizing what was happening also, he scooped him up and took him in the other room. And as I was going in there after him, the the person from the shelter called me back to say, you know, I was able, I could take him to the ER. And then at that point, um, we knew he had stopped breathing and he was gone. Um, the one thing I can say now looking back was it was very quick. It all happened in less than an hour. So I know he wasn't suffering because he hadn't been making that noise or, or having trouble breathing at all until, you know, within that short period of time. And, you know, the shelter said I could still take him to the ER vet, but we knew he was gone and there was nothing that could be done. And so my husband wrapped him up and, and you know, took him in the other room. And I'll admit I was a mess. Um, I am not an emotional person in the sense that I do not cry easily. Uh, people who know me probably said either they've never seen me cry or once or twice in my life. Um, but it, it was just overwhelming, um, you know, crying, sobbing, yelling, like what was happening. I didn't understand it. Um, I ran to my own cats and hugged them and just was trying to process everything. Um, it was really difficult, I have to say, but I knew it was a possibility. I've, I follow a lot of people online who are amazing fosters and advocate and take care of kittens and neonatal kittens. And I know that it happens. I just, you know, when you see, uh, an energetic kitten, happy little kitten eating and, and purring. Oh my gosh. He purred, Binks purred so loud. He, he was a big purr and he always wanted to be near me and me to hold him that 
I knew he was sick, but I didn't realize how sick he was, and his little body just didn't have any fight left. So, unfortunately, that was my first experience with fostering. But it was also, I think it was an experience I needed to have. I work with a lot of people who run nonprofits, who work in shelters, who are fosters, who run TNR rescue, who, and TNR or rescue or both. And I know, I've heard the stories, I've seen all the things, but all of my experience has been positive. And my kittens have turned into healthy cats and dogs I've worked with have been healthier or have recovered from injury and things like that. So Bing's taught me a lot about how to take care of a kitten, even more so than I had already. Um, and how quickly you can grow attached to an animal um, I was already super attached to him, and I think in my head he was already a part of my family and probably would have become a part of my family, foster fail. But unfortunately, he turned into a different kind of foster fail. Um, it was nobody's fault. It, I know I did everything I could, and I know the shelter prepared me in every way they could and supported me, and Little Binks did everything he could. He tried so hard, and he ate, and he did all the things. But unfortunately, the amount of time that he was outside alone, you know, his body just didn't get what it needed to become a strong, healthy kitten. So I shared this story to say, those of you who have gone through this, you're not alone. I understand there is a huge amount of feeling of loss and grief, anger and sadness, but it also shows how much these little kittens need us. How much kittens like this need that one-on-one -on -one support from a foster because they're not they can't get it in a shelter shelters don't have the capacity for that and and kittens of a certain age aren't even allowed to be in shelters so it made me realize how important fostering is even more and even though it didn't allow Binks to have a long life he was able to have a life to have a home for those five days and to be completely doted upon and loved and supported and even though it's still difficult for me think about and talk about I know that I gave him that and that's what's most important and so we ended up burying Binks in our backyard so that he would stay here forever with us and I um, got a few rocks and painted and colored them with his name on them to put in the garden and you know I've shared a story on social media not only to be able to help me process what happened, um, want honestly and to get support, which I've appreciated from so many people, but also to share the importance of what fostering does. I mean, any kitten or cat or puppy or dog, or if you foster pigs or horses or whatever it may be, that attention, that support, that love that they feel being in your home is there is no replacement for that. And so it's so important that we have fosters. Now, not all fostering is like me where I was, you know, giving him a lot of attention. You can foster a dog that's just like your dog that, you know, is home alone during the day when you're at work and you walk in the mornings and you take him to dog parks, whatever it may be. So fostering, there's a lot of different kinds depending on the animal themselves, but all of it really does save lives. It makes space in the shelter for other animals it gives that dog a chance to be a dog and show his true personality. And then you can learn about him and that helps him get adopted. Same thing with cats. 
And puppies and kittens, that support is crucial for them to survive. If they don't have that, unfortunately, there aren't many options. So I hope in telling my story of my experience that it helps you understand a lot more when you see people talking about fostering, the importance, the need for it, that you understand how what a vital part of an animal's life you can be, even if you just foster them for a week or two and then they're able to get adopted. Or you foster a kitten until it's six weeks and then it's able to get adop- adopted. Or you foster one and fall in love and they become a part of your family. No matter what it is, fostering is so important and I hope that any of you that think that might be something you're interested in or would like to do will reach out to your local animal shelter, um, to rescue organizations in your area that need fosters, whatever it may be. If you can't foster, I totally understand. There's so many ways you can help animals in shelters. You can donate. Um, I know right now in the fall, going into winter, Um, shelters and rescue groups need blankets and towels and all of those things that help keep the animals warm. They're always looking for food and toys and snacks and all of that. You can also volunteer. You can volunteer to go and walk a shelter dog. You can take a shelter dog out in the community. You can go in and play with the kittens or clean out the kittens spaces and get to interact with them. There's so many different things you can do. Or you can just donate. You can donate your time. You can donate money, whatever it may be. It's always great to research a rescue in your area. Find one that you really feel close to. You feel like you understand what they're doing and you want to support it. And there's so many different ways you can do that. So that is my story of fostering. Um, I'm sure I'll think of more things I want to share in the future, but... I just wanted to do a very real, unedited, um, letting you guys know what my story is, what Binks' story was, or Bryce, and just the importance of what the love you get from an animal and the love you can give back to them. You know, it may not change the world, but it'll change the world of that animal. And even though Binks isn't here anymore, I know I changed his world for that last part of his life. And he was loved, and he was safe, and he was warm, and that's all we can really do. If you say you want to help animals, you want to save them, well, go out and save them, because it's, it's, it's possible. It may not end the way you expect it to or want it to, but in the end, you, you've done something that really does change the world for that one 